because I've lived in a townhome and uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, probably about four or five years ago. Um, we lived in a townhome, and uh, suddenly one day uh, we're just sitting, and we had got a knock on the door. Now I want you to understand, in our townhome, we it was basically like four rooms. Uh, there were two downstairs and two upstairs with a bathroom in the middle. So I guess you could kind of call it five and a half maybe. Um, but anyway, our family room was right in the front, and we were on the ground level, and so there were two windows right there. So when people walked on the sidewalk right in front of our townhome, they could see into our house if the blinds were open. And so normally when the sun's out, the blinds are open because you want natural daylight to come in. You don't want to look like you live in a cave, right? So we had our blinds open, and these people walked by. Now, here's what happens. When they knock on your door, you can't do what some of you guys do, whether you have like a ring doorbell or other stuff. You pretend like you're not home because you don't want to actually interact with other humans. You couldn't do that here because clearly these people, as they walk past the window, they would have seen that we were sitting on our couch right in front of the windows and seen that there are two humans literally standing within seven feet of the door that they're about to knock on. So these people knock on our door. Very nice people. There's about two of them. And they come up to me and they say, good afternoon. How are you? Very good. How are you? You knocked on my door, so I'm great. Um, they proceed to tell me that they are from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which if you don't know, that means they were Mormons, and they were doing their Mormon mission. They were walking around. And so I started to talk to them. They were two younger people. They were college-aged because when you are a Mormon, part of the deal is that you are to go on mission as a college-aged person, and you go out and you share the good news of the Mormon doctrines or the Mormon Bible, and you go and do that, Right? Now, what's interesting about this is that their church is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, I happen to know Jesus, kind of, kind of the thing that I believe in, the kind of the guy that I know a lot about because I study his word. So I was intrigued. I was naturally curious as they knocked on my door. Oh, your name tag has the name Jesus on it. Tell me more. What do you believe? And so these two younger people started to talk to me, and I started to ask more questions. And I started to open up a little bit, and it's like, yeah, like, I really think that Jesus is important for your life. Without him, like, you know, I think that there would be, there needs to be some type of an answer for a higher power. And I started to just ask those type of questions. And you could tell these two people, they were super excited. They were like, we're going to get one. Like, this is going to go on our mark, on our ledger. Like, we could get a gold star when we go back to, the, like, the head Mormon people and be like, dude, listen, we met this guy and his wife, and he had two little kids running around upstairs. They could be one of us. Like, we're going to convert them. And so what I did is I said, hey, like, I, I've got so many more questions for you guys. I would love to talk about this more with you. They're like, sounds good. Could we come back to your house in, like, two weeks? Absolutely. What day are you coming? Uh, we're going to come on the 16th. I will be here. Now, they brought reinforcements. So it wasn't just the two young people. It was an elder of their church. I guess you could call him like the Mormon pastor. He comes with them. Now, what I had done is I knew a couple things about Mormonism in my background um, as just studying other religions. And so I knew that they don't drink anything with caffeine. And so I bought lemonade and water because I wanted to be a good host. Little did they know that they were coming into my house and they were trying to witness to me while I was witnessing right back at them. And so they, they walked into a trap. I said it, um, just full disclosure, I have no shame in the game here. I totally set this up. I invited them over because I basically wanted to see how well do they know their own stuff. And we proceeded to have a conversation about Jesus. And they told me all about the things that they believe. And, and we're going to get into some of that tonight because you're going to see why in a second. But, but when it comes down to it, they couldn't get one thing clear in their minds. They couldn't understand Jesus 
was God in human flesh. They couldn't get that. They, would, they, they couldn't go there. And, and you could see what, what was terribly sad to me was the two younger people who were college-age kids, as they were listening to me talk to their elder, I was talking to him, but I was really talking to them. And I wanted them to hear the doctrines of salvation according to Scripture, not according to the Book of Mormon. And unfortunately for them, you could see they were very confused. They were very uneasy because they just didn't know what to do with this. Because everything they had been taught to that point was not what they were hearing as we were talking about the Bible. And the funny thing is, is that they use a lot of the same Bible that you and I use. They use the King James Version in addition to some other texts. But they would be listening to things, and I would quote things, and they were like, wow, that, that sounds really right. And I was like, yeah, it's from the Bible. So we were talking the same language, but they just couldn't go there with me. I think a lot of people today, when you think about it, believe this statement. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it sincerely. There's a lot of people who on the surface would take that statement and go, yeah, I agree with that. It's okay. As long as you believe whatever you believe, you got to believe it sincerely. Like, you got to be all in. Don't be half-hearted in what you believe. Now, that works until you apply it to the real world, right? Like, I need to believe sincerely. It's okay whatever I believe sincerely as long as I believe it with all my heart. Well, I believe that if I go walking across Interstate 40, I'm going to make it there safely. I believe that with my whole heart. That's not going to end well, right? Okay, some of you guys, like, you believe with your whole heart that I can fly. People end up in psych wards for that kind of stuff, okay? Just because you believe something sincerely and with your heart does not make it right. There's, a, there's an old guy, I don't have it on the screen for you, but I love this quote from G.K. Chesterton. You can write this down, you can write his name down and look him up later. But he says this, right is right even if nobody does it. Wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Let me say that again. Right is right, even if nobody does it. Wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Guys, you're, you're entering into, and you breathe this air, you swim in these waters, you're going into a world where this is the mindset that you are always being told. Believe it for yourself, but don't ever step on what I believe. Don't ever come into my life and tell me what I should think. You just believe it intently for yourself, and that's good, which is wrong. G.K. Chesterton says, right is right, even if nobody does it. Wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. In 1 John 2, we talked about this last week, that there are many antichrists out there, people who are opposing Christ, who are opposing the gospel. And later, in, in, as he continues in the couple verses that we're going to read tonight, he talks about what that looks like. And I want to talk about what was going on back then and show you it's still happening now. There is nothing new under the sun. That the same things that were happening back then, the same faulty beliefs are still around now, and you guys are being exposed to them. And you guys need to train your mind to figure out what you believe. Because I said this last week, I want you to own your own faith. I don't want you to rent it from me. I don't want you to lease it from your parents. I don't want you to rent it from a pastor. I want you to own your own beliefs. 
know what you believe about who God is, what happens when you die, who made the world, all the big questions. I want you to know and own what you believe. Don't just rent it. So let, let's talk about what some people believe and see what we believe. First John chapter 2. We're going to do verses 22 and 23 first, okay? Here's what it says. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. I said that last week. The Antichrist. Don't get all the heebie-jeebies, okay? It's not some supervillain. He just said, this is the Antichrist. He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So what is happening back then is the same thing that's happening now, is that there are people that John is dealing with that have been in the church and left the church, and they say, we are Christians. But here's the thing. We don't actually believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. There are some people who this is what they believed, okay? Track this with me. This is what was going on in John. They believed that Jesus was a man born just like you and me, okay? And then when he entered the waters of baptism in the Jordan River, and it talks about the spirit descended on him like a dove, in that moment, this man, this unique person, Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he became something special in that moment that none of us are. And then from that point forward, he did miraculous things, and he healed people, and he did all these other things, and then he eventually died for our sin. But he was just a guy. He wasn't God. He was a man that God came into sometime after he was already on earth. Now, that's what Paul, or excuse me, John was dealing with when he writes 1 John. There are people that believe that. Today, it's no different. I mentioned my, my Mormon friends in Lynchburg that I tried to talk to. There's also Jehovah's Witnesses. If you don't know anything about them, I'll give you a, a brief snapshot of them in a minute. But there's also people in the church. Let's start with church people first. There are church people who think this way. Let me prove it to you. Every two years, there's this great study that is called the state of theology. The state of what you believe about who God is. Theology, don't be scared. It's just the study of who God is. Okay? Church people. I'm going to read this statement, and I want to see, just don't, don't just think you get the answer right or wrong. I want you to know what you really think about this. Again, what do you own, not what you rent, okay? Do you agree that God accepts the worship of all religions? God accepts the religion uh, or the worship of Islamic people, Jewish people, Catholic people, Mormon people, Jehovah's Witnesses people. Do you believe that? Now, you, some of you guys I saw in the, in the crowd, I see you shaking your head. No, I don't believe that. 56% of people who call themselves, this is not a label that was placed on them by other people. This is, they claim to be themselves people who attend church regularly and consider themselves evangelical Christians. 56% of evangelical church people think that God accepts the worship of all religions. Do you agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but was not God? He was just a man, that he was just moral, that he, he did some really nice stuff for people. 43% of people, again, church people, 
agree. Jesus was a great teacher, but was not God. Here's the last one. This one might catch some people, but do you agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God? 55% of people in church that were surveyed through this study agreed with that statement. Now, if you don't know that there is a problem with those three statements, let me just give you three quick passages. You can take in the first one, God accepts the worship of all religions. You could take John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. So that clearly says that he cannot accept the worship of all religions. It should only be the worship of the, the true religion that he said is the worship of him, because that's the only way to get to God the Father. If you read the Gospel of John, you will find that there are many I am statements. In those statements, Jesus says that he is something. In every single one of those statements, if you understand them as he says them, he's saying, I am God. I am God in the flesh. Jesus was not created by God. Read Colossians chapter 1. Read John 1, 1. We'll get to that in a second. But in, all, in both of those, it tells you that he was there in the beginning, and he was with God in the beginning. He was not created. He was eternally existing. So Jesus always is, always will be, and always was around. He was never created by God. He is God. Therefore, he cannot have a starting point. But this is what church people believe. Now, this is a problem, and this terrifies me as somebody who I make my occupation a teacher of God's word. Because that means that we're not teaching God's word in the church, right? If people believe this, they're not actually reading God's word. Because God's word, I just told you, in three simple, quick verses, right off the top of my head, I can tell you why all three of those statements are not true. That if you believe the Bible, you should disagree with all three of those statements. Again, I'm not trying to force feed you. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says so you can own your own faith and not rent it. But in all three of those statements, that tells me that people don't actually know their Bible. Let's go on to the Mormons. Good people. They lost to Liberty in a football game over the weekend, if you know anything about college football. It was BYU, the Mormon University, versus Liberty University, the Evangelical Christian University, and the Christians won. So there you go. If, that, if you want to take any spiritual things from that, go ahead. Rip from the headlines last Saturday. It was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a win. It was a win for truth, as we like to say. Okay? So here we go. The Mormons... This is something that a Mormon would actually say to you. I was reading some articles, and a really good one by a guy who believes in the Mormon church. I'll just listen to this, and I want you to hear it and know that there's some stuff in here that sounds a lot like what you might even say, even if you're a believer in Christ. Here's what it says. Mormons would say, Jesus is the Son of God, the only perfect man to have walked the earth. He led a divine mission to save the souls of mankind through his atoning sacrifice. Only through him and his grace can man find eternal salvation. Now, again, on the surface, that sounds pretty good. It sounds, it sounds almost like something that we would say in here. Until you understand the terminology and what they are actually getting at when they talk about Jesus being the son of God. Let me take you um, quickly back to what the Mormons believe about God the Father as a whole thing first. They believe that there were many gods existing and that the gods are just men. 
They're not other beings. They're not celestial. They're just men that existed. And God the Father was a perfect man who kind of got ahead of all the other gods that existed. Okay? And as the perfect man, God the Father then was able to gain this perfection. And through that perfection, he gained all this power and wisdom and knowledge. And through that perfection then, he then gives mankind, God, in the flesh, Jesus. But he's not God in the flesh. He's just another man. Because God himself is not different. He's just a man. This is the problem. God the Father was once a mortal living on the earth. He, was, he died, he was resurrected, he was glorified, and grew into a deified status. God is just the father of spiritual children, including Jesus and the Holy Ghost. This is where, when I sat in my living room with three people who were at the Mormon church and tried to talk to them about the gospel, they could not wrap their minds around this one fact, that Jesus is God. They could not go there. They couldn't go there. They couldn't agree with me that Jesus existed before time began. No, he had to have been created. Because what they believe is that there is no separation between God and man. God is just a perfected version of man. And you and I, if we were to follow the Mormon religion and, and hold on to all the things that they tell you to do, like fasting or staying away from alcohol or staying away from caffeine or staying away from drugs and, 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 and actually getting married in a Mormon church. If you don't get married in a Mormon church, it's not an eternal wedding and all these other things. There's a lot of crazy stuff. But if you do all that and then you attend a Mormon church and you go on mission, you do all that, you too can attain perfection and then you can become a god. And there are some people, they joke about this, but then you can also have your own planet. You can have this like great deified status. You can be essentially in charge of the world. That's the message of Mormonism. Again, it started off with Jesus is the Son of God, the only perfect man to have walked the earth. He led a divine mission to save the souls of mankind through his atoning sacrifice. It sounds good, but the problem is he's just a man. A really good one, but he's just a man. They can't go to the next step to say that Jesus is God. Here's another one uh, that's interesting. Jehovah's Witnesses, the, this might get a little, you might get confused about these um, when you see Jehovah's Witnesses. They also do a lot of mission work. Uh, they have their thing. If you ever see in your mail sometimes, I don't know if you guys still get it or if you even get the mail anymore, um, if your parents have just totally knocked out a mailbox and said, we don't do that, we do everything digital. But there is a magazine that every once in a while comes in my mailbox called The Watchtower. That comes from Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, here's what they believe. The Bible is God's inspired message to humans. Okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. Sounds good. The Bible is God's inspired message to humans. Sounds good. They even use the same Bible that you and I use, but they have their own translation, similar to the way that we have different translations, the NIV, ESV, KJV, all that. They have their own. Okay. Here's one, uh, one of their translations, John 1.1, written by the same guy who's writing the text that we're reading tonight. John 1.1, 1, 1, in their translation, reads this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Okay? Now, very subtle. Some of you guys might not catch on to that. Some of you guys are immediately jumping on it. They literally changed one word, but it changes the entire meaning of the passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God is what our Bible says. Their Bible says a God, adding the one word. If you want to be 
really nerdy in Grammarly really quickly, a single infinitive here. Um, and so what they did here is they put that infinitive, a God, all right? And so by saying it's a God, they say that Jesus is just one of many. Here's what it goes on. I'm going to read this to you. It's on the screen if you want to look at it. But it says this. Jesus was not a divine. He was not the Holy Spirit. Is not, not a person. It's just a force. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is God's only direct creation, the firstborn of all creation. We talked about that, that some people in the church think that Jesus was created. They also believe this in Jehovah's Witnesses. Therefore, he was rightly entitled to be called the Son of God. However, they believe that as a created being, he is not part of a trinity. They believe Jesus lived in heaven before coming to earth, and after his death and resurrection, he returned to heaven. Very similar to the stuff that John was dealing with in the first century. We're still dealing with it now. It just has really different names. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, even some people in the church who don't know the Bible. Here's the one key truth in this, that if you don't remember anything else that I said tonight, I want you to remember this. Everything depends on what a person believes about Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything in your life. This is not for the people and of these other cults, these other religions. It's for you. Everything in your life depends. It hinges on what you believe about Jesus Christ. Either he is a man or he's God. He's just a guy who God indwelled then he's not God. God used him, but he's not God if you believe that. Everything depends on what you believe about Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? I wanted you to read the next couple of verses that John wants to encourage, because again, John is, is trying to present there are problems, there are landmines out there for you, but he also wants you to be encouraged and know how to navigate them. And so here's how we navigate that. Back to our text, 1 John chapter 2, 24. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you, and what you heard from the beginning, if, sorry, if what you abide, sorry, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life so so how do we avoid these same pitfalls that others have fallen into because honestly if you're not careful people will think like mormons and christians they're the same from the outside world people say that a lot of times and a lot of people think oh they they got good morals and christians have morals and so yeah they're one thing they talk about jesus jehovah's witnesses they talk about jehovah we like jehovah that sounds like a christian thing how do we protect ourselves and, and the way that we protect ourselves is the same thing that John's been trying to say. Last week we talked about stay away from the scoffers. Stay away from people who influence you. You also have to think about staying closer to something, though. And you need to stay close to the word of God and the spirit of God. John says in here, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let it remain in you. What you heard from the beginning, if it abides in you, then you can stay within God the Father. That's what you want to stay in. I'm going to take you over. You don't have to flip there. If, if you want to, you can. But in 2 John Verse 9, there is no chapters to 2 John. There is just 2 John, the letter. But in verse 9, it says this. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Here's what happens, and I want you guys to be careful. Don't fall for new ideas. Don't, don't, don't give in to, oh, that's old school. That, that's how used to be done. That's so traditional. We shouldn't follow that. 
you know, we have now figured out things as humans who have got technology and all, this, and all these smarts that this is how the world actually works or this is how it should be. Or, or we have science now to prove that. Don't, don't fall for the appeal of new ideas because John warns about this in 2 John when he says people go on ahead. They progress. They try to go beyond Jesus as, the, as, as God in the flesh. And they try to go beyond Jesus dying for their sin. They try to see if there's something more beyond that. And they go beyond that. And he says, when you go beyond that, you do not have God. Don't fall for the appeal of new ideas. I hear it all the time. Oh, that's, we gotta be progressive. We gotta, we gotta go on from what we used to do. We gotta go beyond what, the, what our parents used to do. And man, that's, that's so, that's so closed-minded. Do you know that, that the Jewish people, who are very smart, by the way, in the old days, they used to think that being open-minded was foolishness. You know why? Because think about it. If you're open-minded, they thought of the mind as having a front door and a back door. If you are open-minded, you're leaving the front door and the back door open. You know what happens when you fill the mind, when the doors are open both ends? You don't retain anything. You don't know anything. You're foolish if you're open-minded. But the world is telling you guys all this time, now, don't, don't, don't be so closed-minded, Christians. Like, don't, don't say that there's only one way to God. How can you do that? Be clo- don't, don't be so closed-minded. Be open-minded. Historically, cultures have looked at people who are open-minded and said, you're foolish. You need to have definitive answers for things. And hold on to those answers. There is one answer. Hold on to it. Don't be so open-minded, because if you are, you don't really know what you believe. And he says here, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. What is really key about this is this is not what you think. It's what you've been taught by others who have gone before you. There is something in our culture now that tells us that people who have gone before us got it all wrong. Don't believe them. Don't trust them. But there is something to this that John is trying to get at. That there is a, there is a truth there to be held by good teaching sound teaching by people who are older, wiser, and they've experienced more than some of us have. So let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. Don't stray from the word of God, and you need to know the word of God. I, I hope I proved that to you by some of those stats. They're staggering to me, but just because you're in church doesn't mean you know God's word. Just because you're in a Bible class doesn't mean that you know God's word. Just because you come in here and you listen to me for 20 minutes or 25 minutes, or if I go really long, 45 minutes, but I don't do that to you guys because I don't think you can handle it. But if you don't, just because you're around God's word doesn't mean you actually know it. And so you've got to be near to God's word for yourself. Don't stray away from it. Know it. Be sound in it. Because you could get somebody who knocks at your door and is a Mormon and says a lot of things that sound biblical, but if you don't know your Bible for yourself, you are close to falling into that trap. If they covered up their name tag and it didn't say Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then you might just go, oh yeah, I like what you got. I'll take some of that you got to know your Bible for yourself. Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the word of God, uh, sorry, the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The key to that is everything that you do when you sing about that is centered on the word of God. Not how you feel, not what you've been studying and all these other texts or other, or other ideas that people are throwing at you. It's the word of God. That's where it's centered on. Don't stray from the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18 says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your hearts, always and for everything, giving thanks. I picked these two passages because they're almost mirrors of each other, but you got the Word of God being the center of one, and you got the Spirit of God filling you in the other. Last one. 
don't think you've got this all figured out and you've got it handled. No matter how long you've been in church, don't, don't think that you've got it figured out. When John talks about this whole abiding thing, beginning from the beginning, let it abide in you. He steals that from Jesus in his own gospel in John 15 when he says it this. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That last part is the key. It's the humility to know apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And apart from Christ, you really don't know much. Here's the key in the difference to Christianity and other religions. I'm going to finish with this because you're going to hear so many different um, things said back to you saying, how can you know that your way is the only way? Or how can you be so closed-minded? Or that's really arrogant of you to say that you know God and nobody else can. Well, here's the thing. Hey, guys, listen. Guys, are this. Here's the thing. You can be really arrogant about it, but you're not actually being arrogant. God doesn't accept the religion, the worship of all religions. And how can you say, well, how do you know that you know the right way to God? How can you say that you know the only thing? Well, I don't think that I know that. God chose to show me that. God chose to tell me that. I didn't say that. Jesus did. This is not something that we as Christians came up with. This is actually from Jesus giving to us. And if Jesus is God, then that means God chose to reveal the way to him. That's the key that's different. From everything else. God reveals himself to us. Christianity is the only one where God reveals himself to us as people. Whereas in other religions, you need to work your way to figure out who God is. And what he's like. In Christianity, God chose to reveal himself to us. In Christ, in the flesh. He took on flesh so that he could show you what God is like. He gave you his word. So that you could know what, what he thinks about the world that he made. What he thinks about you, the one he created. This is what is the difference between us and every other religion, is that God revealed himself to us, and we're just passing along what he said. When he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. So apart from him, you know nothing. In him, he has showed you who he is. Don't think you've got it handled. Continue to stay humble and stay near to the word of God. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, just thank you again for your goodness to us. Lord, I just thank you for your kindness in watching over us. And Lord, we just pray now that you would guard our hearts and our minds as we interact with a world that tries to tell us that there is no truth, there is no way to know truth, there is no way to know God. Lord, that is a, is a desperate place to be. It's a sad place to be, but the reality is that you tell us that you can be known and you desire for us to know you. So God, thank you for revealing yourself to us in Christ in your word. Thank you for saving us from our sin, providing the only solution to human sinfulness. And Lord, we just praise you for all that you have done. God, help us to be near to your word, be good students of it, reveal it to us and tell us and show us and teach us more from your word so that we may be guarded against what the world tries to say against you. And we may know it for ourselves, believe it, not just because somebody else said it, but because we know it to be true in our own hearts. So, God, I just thank you for this time again, and, and we just give you all the praise and the glory and pray that you would be honored in our time together tonight. In Jesus' name.
Amen. All right, hold on. Before you get up, here's what we're doing. We've got food in the back. There are grilled strips. There are spicy and fried fried strips. Please start with only two strips per person. Two strips per person. You can go for seconds after. Ladies, you may go first. There is uh, macaroni and cheese and hush puppies as well. There's drinks. Enjoy. Dig in. We'll start uh, lip syncing in a little bit. What version I'm using? Uh, ESV, English Standard Version. 